Hi everyone and welcome. You're listening to A Strong Canada. I'm Nick and I'm here with Aaron, Aaron Binder, a longtime friend and confidant. It's a pleasure to be here and I think I speak for everyone across the globe when I say that uh, nobody expected this, but here we are. I think uh, a fair number of people probably did expect this. Today we're going to be talking about Canadian Politics 101, a primer for everyone that hasn't paid attention to how Canadian politics works since their grade 10 civics class, which we all slept through anyway. That's right. So, I mean, with with Canadian politics, once you learn about it, once you get into it, once you start paying attention to it, I, uh, you, you find as, as I found and as Aaron found and as maybe, um, you know, a small number of political nerds across this great country of ours has found that Canadian politics is actually really interesting and, uh, and really dirty and full of espionage and intrigue and to a surprising degree. Yeah, a lot of people look south to the states and they're like, ah, two-party system, obviously it's a lot easier to understand. I disagree, actually. I think our system's a lot easier to understand. It might be a little more bombastic down south, but when you actually put Canadian politics under the magnifying glass, it's dirty. Yeah. yeah. It is nasty. And the reason it's so nasty and so dirty is because not a lot of people pay attention to it because people... Um, think that it's boring, which is what I used to think, and I'm sure what you used to think as well. That may or may not be true. I mean, I've always been kind of addicted to it, but uh, ever ever since my, my young days watching Royal Canadian Air Force from 10 years old onward, I'm a weird dude. Yeah. Um, I, wa- I watched Air Force too, but I still thought Canadian politics was boring. Um, I don't know. I grew up on Air Force. I watched <laughs> like age six onward and I, I got some of the jokes like maybe 10% of them as a seven-year-old uh, or a 10-year-old and didn't get the rest right like but I was like huh, a chicken and a cannon like yeah that's funny um, but when it came when push came to shove did I find Canadian politics interesting did I find provincial politics mm-hmm. interesting? fuck no <laughs> <laughs> until I did <clears throat> so I didn't find it interesting and I didn't understand it until I did. And and I think a lot of people are actually in that situation now, uh, especially with the, uh, the the election of a lot of uh, how, you, how you would call populist style How you would leaders. say populist <laughs> leader. <laughs> so, I can't tell if you're doing Jean Chrétien or Maxime Bernier. That was, that was uh, Bernier. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, certainly with the election of Donald Trump, a lot of people across the globe have been paying a lot more attention uh, closely to what is happening in elections and Mm -hmm. politics in general, you've got a lot of younger people now that are getting more involved than I think they have in many years. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a really interesting shift that's happening at this particular moment in time, especially when you look at who went out and voted in the last federal election. Uh, It totally broke the trend. So younger people are definitely getting more involved. But do... They know how it all works. Does anyone know how it all works? The, the short answer, the, the TLDR, um, in this case, no. Uh, even though millennials, uh, so that's people, what is it, like 1982 uh, to 1992, something around, whatever. Um, anyway, millennials now comprise the biggest block of potential voters in Canada uh, from, from like, you know, 2015 onwards. That is the new reality. It's always been boomers holding the, the reins of power. Now, demographically speaking, it's millennials. Millennials actually have the whole country uh, at our whim demographically, but only if we vote, yeah. only if we come out and vote. And, and we did in 2015, but I, I don't think that 
I think that was an anomaly. I don't think that millennials showed up in force in 2015 because they were interested in the issues and engaged in the Canadian political system. I take more of a cynical view. I think people came out because they hated Stephen Harper and they mm -hmm. wanted him to go. And Trudeau was the, the one who was most able to galvanize that base and say, hey, I'm the guy uh, to kick out this other guy. And in, he made, really made it as simple as that for, for a lot of younger people who then came out and, and voted in force. Will that happen again? I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen to the same degree that it happened in 2015. So that's mm -hmm. why um, I think we need to do this podcast to educate people who are interested in learning more about Canadian politics uh, so that they can go forward with that knowledge and do with it what they will. Um, everyone starts somewhere, so let's start here. So the way that Canadian government is structured is that you've got, got Parliament, right? So, I mean, let, let's really talk about Parliament. So the way that Canadian Parliament works is you've got your political parties. Uh, so, you know, right now you've got the Greens, you've got the, uh, the NDP, the Liberals, and the Conservatives, and they get a certain number of these 338 uh, seats that make up Parliament. They're, they're, it's a, basically a big room with 338 chairs in it, uh, plus a couple of other chairs for some officials. There's a, there's a guy who carries a big mace around called the Sergeant at Arms. I don't really know what that's for. There, there's a bunch of like random holdover shit from the British system that doesn't really matter and is all ceremonial. You don't really need to know about any of that. I mean, if you want to look into it. <laughs> but we've always been doing it that way, so let's continue. <laughs> exactly. It's tradition and people in funny costumes. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's basically it. So you've got parties and... They get, you know, they snap up various shares of the 338 seat pie uh, from election cycle to election cycle. And depending on who has the most seats, aka the majority of seats, um, they get to vote, they get to control the vote on new bills that come through Parliament. Uh, and that's how government basically works. And each party has a leader. Uh, you know, so in this case, we've got Jagmeet Singh with the NDP, Andrew Scheer leads the Conservatives, and Justin Trudeau leads the Liberals. Um, you know, other parties too, but we don't, whatever. So, because the Liberals right now have the most seats and can therefore control any vote that happens in Parliament, the guy who leads the party, in this case Justin Trudeau, is the Prime Minister, uh, which just means that he's the Minister of all the members of Parliament who has the most power in Parliament. Now, an important distinction to make at this point is that you're going to have a majority and a minority government. A uh, majority government means you carry the bulk of those 338 seats, and you can basically say, here's what we're going to be putting out to Parliament today, here's what we're going to be voting on, and we're going to vote yes on it. So. It doesn't really matter what the other parties do at that point. That's right. They can invoke some technical stuff, but it really doesn't matter. They can't necessarily stop it. Yeah. In a minority government, there are often alliances. So the government in power, they have the most seats, but they don't necessarily have the capability to push through bills or legislation carte blanche so to, to make it really real for people so like right now we're in a liberal majority government so mm -hmm. even if even if the conservatives and the ndp and elizabeth may of the green party and maxim bernier of the people's party even if those guys all got together in uh, in some back room or like at a kelsey's and decided they were gonna all vote against the liberals on on something wouldn't matter yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's what a majority government means. That's all it means. And a minority government 
all that means is that it would matter if all of the other parties decided to band together and form some alliance against the uh, reigning government, they would actually be able to outvote them and overturn government legislation and maybe even maybe even kick out the, the reigning government of the day in something called a non-confidence vote. Yep. And you've actually seen this a lot in England lately yep. with their recent turmoil since about 2016 after the Brexit vote. Yeah. Uh, they've gone through prime ministers like, uh, I don't know, flashes in the pan, like... Uh, the turnover's been high. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. waitresses at a Kelsey's. Oh, like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, or $5 Kelsey Rita's. But, uh... <clears throat> in my mouth. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so, in a minority government, uh, you kind of have to work with the other parties to make sure you stay in power, which means... In a lot of cases, not all cases, but in a lot of cases, it's actually better for the average Canadian in a minority government because the parties do have to work together to make sure there isn't an election every six months. That's right. Yeah, you've, you would have in a minority situation, you'd have liberals like assuming that they were in power still um, working with the NDP, trying to get NDP slash liberal policies passed and then turning around and working with the conservatives or the Greens, you know, in, in various gestures of goodwill to keep themselves um, from getting kicked out by all the other parties. Yeah. Who knew competition is good? <laughs> Free market conservatives. It's <laughs> another topic. <laughs> oh, that's like a 404 course. Interest not found. <laughs> yeah. Ah, good one. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> yeah, so I want to uh, dig into something you just mentioned. People came out to vote against Stephen Harper, not necessarily for Justin Trudeau. Yeah. And we're talking about an election that went across the country. Millions and millions of people voted in uh, hundreds of different ridings, not necessarily for the leadership, but for those individual uh, people that were running for different parties and as independents in those ridings. That was a lot. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. What I'm getting at yeah. is yeah. that a lot of people ended up voting for who the leader would be, not necessarily who was within the riding itself. Okay, so I think I, I think I know what you're getting at. So in in Canadian politics there's um there's a common um understanding that people have that is not necessarily true that we elect our prime minister, right? Yep, exactly. Whereas uh in in reality we don't. So people think that Canadian politics uh you know consists of so you know it's twenty nineteen, right? It's a it's an election year. And the election is in October of this year. And after October of this year, we're going to know, is Justin Trudeau going to stay the prime minister? Is it still going to be the liberals or is it going to change? Is it going to be Andrew Scheer or Jigmeet Singh or, or someone else? Um, and, and people have a common understanding that it's one election, that you know, we have the election in October of this year, 2019. Whereas it's not actually true. What we really have is 338 little elections. Mm -hmm. Right in uh, what's called ridings, and and riding is just a weird old British holdover of a word uh, that just means a, a district, an elect an election district, which is usually uh, your town or your county um, or maybe part of a city. Yeah. So in these three hundred thirty eight elections that are coming up this year, you're going to have all these different little names beside different colors, and you're going to put an X beside the name that you like the most. Um, and this is, I think, one of the things that's actually drastically changing right now when it comes to political theory, is that um, 
We pay attention to the leadership far more than we pay attention to the local representative. So, you know, when I say there's a misunderstanding that people have that we elect our prime minister and, and technically this is not true, it's also technically true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, like, I'll, I'll get into I'll get into this. We'll get into this. So, it used to be when when our British, you know, Westminster parliamentary system. Whoa, 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 whoa! That's a lot of words. It was a lot of words. Uh, so that's the system, the system that our current government is sort of born out of. We just kind of stole it from the British because we didn't want to bother thinking of something new. Um, so when that system first existed, you you had political parties. And those political parties had leaders. And for more on how political parties work and party leaders, uh, check out our upcoming podcast, Canadian Politics 102. What's the deal with political parties? Link in the description. Anyway, you used to have political parties, but the leaders of those parties were less powerful. Nowadays, they're much more powerful. So whatever the leader says in a political party goes. And you, you typically don't see other members of that party going against what the leader says. It's called whipping, it's called party discipline, and it's, it's no, not written into law anywhere, but it's what happens. And it, it's what's happened increasingly. There's been a, more and more of a trend towards increased whipping and increased party discipline so that, um, you know, Doug Ford in Ontario, whatever he says, uh, whatever he wants to do, Anyone who is a, a member of his government as a progressive conservative has to go along with it. They have to vote how Doug wants them to vote. They have to mm -hmm. talk how Doug wants them to talk. And the same goes for Justin Trudeau and the liberals. You just don't, you do not see disagreement between, um, you know, an MP, a member of parliament and the prime minister, yeah. who's just the party leader of the, the majority party. And if or when, and probably when that does happen, more often than not, you'll actually see that dissenting person within that party leave the party to sit as an independent, or in some cases, they'll even cross the floor to another party. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right, which is a, a whole other topic uh, of drama and intrigue. But that's, that's a pretty good explanation of how this kind of works. So we have been moving to more of a strong leader style system where what the leader says goes and the individual representative from one of those 338 different ridings across Canada may not have as much weight as it used to. You've also seen a situation where uh, people, voters, the ones that actually really get informed are voting less and less along party lines. They're voting more based on the issues than anything else. You're seeing this situation arise where possibly because of this strong style leadership, you're actually seeing people that are thinking about this, like, and it's a lot of the millennials, it's a lot of younger people, they're looking at this and saying, well, that's kind of dumb because I don't agree with this one thing. People are voting more along issues than they are based uh, on the color that their parents voted on or the color that, that their work suggests they vote on. Mm -hmm. So we're entering this new era of politics where people are voting based on their conscience, based on their beliefs, more than ever before, and it's not necessarily tied to any party. Also based on emotions. No, that's 100% true. Right, so I mean, I, I happen to take more of a cynical view. Oh. Yeah. You keep so, saying that. <laughs> so even, even when the good guys win, the good guys, quote unquote, and, and who are they, right? I, I don't even know. Is it any of them? Probably not. Maybe the Greens, but I... Uh, <laughs> 
even when the quote-unquote good guys win, it's it's motivated by emotion. So a lot of people, you know, a lot of people voted liberal in 2015. Uh, full disclosure, I didn't, but a lot of people did. So a lot of people think that they're the good guys. Did they win based on their policies and the issues, or did they win based on more of a general feeling that what Justin Trudeau represented was oh, you know, a changing of the guard, younger people, kicking out older people, taking over a new way of doing things, and hope for the future. These aren't policies. These are emotionally evocative, amorphous things. We, we've really, as voters, lived in this perpetual state of conflict as well. So we've gone further away from voting for someone and much closer to voting against someone because of beliefs and passion and emotions. And, and the way our system works. And that. Which is, uh, you know, maybe perhaps another conversation. Maybe 102. Yeah, maybe. And you'll often hear old disgruntled political nerds or maybe young disgruntled political science majors um, bemoan the fact that no one understands that, oh, in Canada, we don't elect our prime minister. You know, we, we elect individual MPs. Uh, and sure, uh, that's technically true in law. And like, say, like, let's just make it really real. Say Aaron was running to be your member of parliament in 1915. Mm -hmm. Aaron's character and, and the quality of his thinking and his, uh, you know, predilections uh, toward vices or not. Now um, see here, I'm all for booze, but we got to tax it. Yeah, 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 so all of that, um, it would matter. So would an individual candidate like like Aaron, just your, your local, say Aaron's your local liberal candidate, because uh, he's a liberal plant after all, um, <laughs> was, uh, was running in a federal election in 1915, what, what he said and what he thought would matter a lot more than it does today. Uh, because MPs had a lot more latitude to, to vote however they wanted to on new laws being proposed in Parliament. Whereas now, it's just like whatever the leader says goes. So really now, even though we're technically electing individual MPs, we're really not. The, the, those individual MPs, as soon as they're elected, they're a vessel. They're an empty shell of they've, whatever the leader says. They've been absorbed yeah. into the great body of whatever color their party is. Exactly. Into the, the body politic of their, <laughs> their particular uh, brand. Um, and the brand of a party changes depending on who the leader is. And again, for more on party leaders and how they, they function to influence parties and politics, check out Canadian Politics 102, uh, where that is what we talk about. So we are in, a, in, in this election year, and there's going to be a lot of mudslinging going on. This is just the way the, uh, that elections have gone in the last 20 years or so, ever since Bush. Everyone Gore. keeps saying that. Everyone keeps saying, uh, oh, there's going to be, it's going to be really bad this year. Like, I keep hearing that. Uh, pundits are saying it. Um, people are saying it. Aaron just said it. I, I keep hearing, oh, it's going to be really bad. It's going to be like, particularly bad this do you, year. Do you think it's going to be bad? I don't think I don't know if it's going to be any worse than than it normally is. I think it's always which I would say is bad. It's it's always bad. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be worse or whatever, but it's certainly not. I think by the end of an election, people are just tired. And you and I know, and you will know this as soon as we say it, this is actually a tactic used in politics quite often. What's that? Just like numbing the population? Numbing the population. Yeah. Stopping people from voting because they're so numb 
from the election cycle. Maybe this speaks to why people don't choose to engage in Canadian politics. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that uh, that also goes back to that local touch. So me running as a liberal candidate in mm -hmm. 1915, there was an integrity there. There was a level of trust because to get elected, you literally had to go out and meet every single person that was going to vote for and you. And make promises And to make them. promises to them, yeah. eye to eye, handshake to handshake. And if you broke those promises, you weren't going to get reelected. That's right. So... Part of this, I think, uh, stems from that. There, there's less of that trust that people have in politicians these days. Mm -hmm. And there may be good reason for that. There may not be in some cases. Um, <clears throat> but I think that actually plays quite heavily into this whole theory of um, uh, diminished voter out, uh, turnout. And it has a lot to do with not necessarily putting out attack ads or negative campaigning to uh, basically like piss people off. You're not going to gain voters that way, but you're going to stop people that support other parties from going out to vote by doing this. And it's a highly effective way to stop people from voting is by demoralizing them and basically saying like, oh, it's not even worth your time because my guy is going to win anyway. Right. Or your guy is such a mook that... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Mook. <laughs> you don't hear mook anymore. <laughs> or, or a total schmuck head that... Uh, you just that, made that up. <laughs> that uh, if you vote for this guy, you're just as much of a loser as they are. Right. So it's, it's become an increasingly effective way to stop people from voting. Mm -hmm. In sum, the conservatives kind of hold the West, yep. the liberals kind of hold the East, and everyone fights over um, Ontario and Quebec and to some extent BC. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We talked about the parliamentary system federally speaking. We talked, uh, about how, talked about how the House of Commons works, right? Yes. Like you, you elect your MP, you send them to Ottawa, uh, they do whatever the leader of the party tells them to do, and you're really pay only paying attention to the leader of the party. And some old nerds might call you dumb for that, but you're actually smart because that's just the way things are now, for better or for worse. Yep. Uh, now, there's also this fun thing called the Senate. And, uh, you know, what, what is the Senate, Aaron? Do you know what the Senate is? Well, it's a bunch of people that have been appointed to yep. the positions, not elected. So uh, the government in power has the capability to appoint senators. Mm -hmm. And if you have been in power as long as Stephen Harper was, you can load up the Senate with uh, senators that will vote on bills that you pass yep. in the House of Commons, which is where the elected representatives live. Mm -hmm. They will vote three times on a bill. Mm -hmm. And if it passes three times, it'll go up to the Senate for approval. If the Senate approves it, it gets passed into law. If they don't approve it, it goes back down to the House of Commons. They have to make any amendments uh, that the Senate says they have to make, or they don't. Yeah. And they'll uh, send it back up to Senate anyway, and hopefully it gets passed that time. Or it'll die. Yeah. So, so basically, um, you know, if you want to make a new law, uh, say you're the prime minister, or maybe you're leader of another party, um, could be a majority or minority government, whatever scenario. Someone wants to make a law. You you write a bill, right? Uh, hopefully, you get some expert consultation happening when you write your bill. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Whatever. The bill then goes to the House of Commons. They've got a whole procedure uh, voting on it multiple times, and then yeah, if it passes all that. It goes to this uh, other place called the Senate. And the Senate 
uh, has its origins, again, in the British uh, Westminster parliamentary system. So it's another idea that we stole from them. And its purpose is, um, what is it? Sober second thought. That's the uh, term, yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, the idea being that, well, we can't have, we can't have um, the power to legislate, which is to say to create new laws, given entirely over to democracy, to the people, because the people are unstable, they're fickle, they're ignorant, they're stupid sometimes. So we can't just like give them the power to, to write laws or even give them the power to elect people to write laws. We need to add another layer over top of that. We need to make it less democratic. What we need is a bunch of, like lit quite literally, appointed elites to look at anything that the elected representatives of the public create as law and then say yes or more often no to it. Mm -hmm. That's what a Senate is. Uh, so we have one of those at the federal level. We don't have them in the provinces. So the, the way the pro provincial governments work, it's actually easier to understand, even though people tend to pay less attention to provincial politics. It's just like a house of commons, but they call it a legislature. Yep. So each province has its own house of commons or legislature. Uh, and instead of MPs, you've got MPPs, members of provincial parliament, and you don't have a Senate. So that's it. Yep. So... A lot of people these days are saying, well, maybe the Senate's outdated. Maybe we should get rid of it. Maybe we should overhaul how it works. Maybe they should be elected officials. So there's a lot of controversy in the last 10 years or so funnily surrounding enough, Senate. Funnily enough, uh, one of the issues that Tom Mulcair, the now ex-leader of the NDP, uh, so Canada's most left-wing party, one of the issues that he championed was getting rid of the Senate, abolishing the Senate. Recently, in interviews uh, that Stephen Harper, the now ex-Prime Minister of the Conservative Party, uh, has been saying in interviews that we should abolish the Senate. So Harper, you know, the, the guy on the right, the establishment right and the establishment left, uh, agree that abolishing the Senate is more democratic, uh, will streamline government, make things faster and more efficient, and is, generally speaking, a good idea. It was actually Justin Trudeau who, as one of his first moves, as prime minister after getting elected in 2015 decided to keep the senate but reform it somewhat how did that turn out just out of curiosity well the senate used to be partisan right oh yes but now it's not and now it's, wink wink now it's independent <laughs> wink wink you have to apply for a position as a senator um and you know there's a whole process around around that and i mean that I'll be honest, I'm not really sure entirely how it works. I've seen the application form, though. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I, I may have also applied. Did you apply? Who knows? I didn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy who did. Might have been Aaron. Might not have been. <laughs> so, I guess in a nutshell, that's the lay of the land in Canadian politics. Yeah. So... That is it. It's a lot. It's dominated by regions mm -hmm. when it comes to elections. In some, the Conservatives kind of hold the West, yep. the Liberals kind of hold the East, and everyone fights over um, Ontario and Quebec, and to some extent, BC. Yep, exactly. Yeah, You've got two levels of government, the House of Commons and the Senate. Do they both matter? Hard to say. Uh, you've got a strong style leadership that's come into effect in the last 20 years or so in Canada. I think it all started with Brian Mulroney and Jean Chrétien. Maybe it was Trudeau the, the older hard to say. Maybe we've always had it and we just didn't know. But uh, there's your primer on politics, Canada. Yep, that's it. I, I, I mean, I know that was uh, a lot. Um, you know, hopefully 
this was long enough that you've had some time to digest some of what we've told you. Uh, if you think we got anything wrong and you want to take serious issue with anything that we've said, feel free to reach out. Um, and of course, if you like what we do and want us to keep doing it and want to help us throw the best election party in the world, in the world, head to our GoFundMe where we're raising funds from our supporters to throw the best election party in the world. Links in the description and um, stay tuned for Canadian Politics 102 political parties. What happened? <laughs> this has been A Strong Canada, the podcast. I'm Nick Sergis. I'm Aaron Binder. Thank you for listening. Peace, y'all.